We are going through the book of Mark, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're just making our way right through. We are now in Mark chapter 6. If you could rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, um, just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a Bible, and an usher will bring it to you. Anyone need a Bible? We have one up here. Any others? We not only like to hear, there's another right here, another right here, Solomon. Um, we not only like to hear the Word of God, we like to, uh, to, to read it. We are told by scientists, brain scientists, that an image is burned into our mind when we see something. Isn't it wonderful to be able to do that with the Word of God? Mark chapter 6, making our way through the Word of God. Mark chapter 6. We are in. Verse 7. We'll be talking a little later about verse 6 too. There's a, there's a diamond in that verse. In verse 6. which God willing, we'll get to that. But chapter, chapter 6, verse 7. And he... Speaking of Jesus, called the twelve, speaking of the twelve apostles, to himself. That's important. And began to send them out two by two. That's important as well. And gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, in whatever, in whatever place you enter a house, Stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need healing. We need restoration. We need your life, Lord, this morning. Father, some here in here came in on the crest of the wave, just filled with joy in the prime of life. We thank you for that, Lord, the blessing of life. We still need life, your life, in, when we're in that place, Lord. We ask that. Some here came in the trough, Lord, In a dry place, low. 
discouraged. We need your life in that place. In all times, we need your abundant life. Your word says, the enemy of our souls, the thief, comes to, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But you came that we might have life, Lord Jesus. We have come here for your life. If you don't give it, Lord, it's not worth even being here. We declare to a man, to a woman. It's not worth. We're wasting our time, Lord. We need your life here. You've promised to give us our life if we come with hearts that are surrendered, Lord. Give us the grace to surrender. Give us the grace, Lord, to let go and surrender and just receive your word, Lord, with hearts ready to obey, Lord. Would you do that? God, without your grace, I am not like that. Certainly not. We're not like that. We need your grace for hearts, to have hearts ready to surrender, ready to obey, ready to hear, Lord. Father, without you, Lord, our minds will remain distracted by many things, Lord. So much to be distracted uh, by, but you are so much bigger than all of that, Lord. You draw us in, we ask. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, so continuing on through the book of Mark. In the first chapter of the book of Mark, we saw Jesus on his own. It's an important image to remember. At the beginning of his ministry, the Bible says he was about 30 years old. When he was in his public ministry, he was in a private ministry prior to that time. The carpenter. But in the beginning of his public ministry, he was on his own. No apostles or disciples or followers accompanying him. He started on his own, going about the region of Galilee and northern Israel, preaching. Preaching what? Right here. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Jesus came to Galilee preaching, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent meaning turn around and believe in the gospel, the good news, that word gospel. It's a churchy word. Unfortunately, it's come to be a churchy word that many don't understand. It just means good news. That's what it is. Repent and turn around, turn from whatever you're doing, has nothing to do with God, and believe in the good news. So after that time in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he begins to call disciples to himself. He calls Peter and Andrew, James and John. Others begin to follow him as well. And then in Mark chapter 3, we saw this verse. We spent a lot of time on it. It says he called to him those he himself wanted. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. We spent a lot of time on that verse. This is what Jesus did with you. 
He did this with you. He called you because he wanted you. (laughs) Not because he necessarily saw anything good in you, but because he loves you, the Bible says. Not because you were anything special, because you had unique kind of gifts that set you apart from other people, but because simply he loved you. And so it says he wanted you and he called you. Why? So that you might be with him. That you might be with him. Jesus calls you to do himself first and foremost. We don't want to lose this, that it was an important message that was on that day. We don't want to lose it for the entirety of the book of Mark. He called you to do himself first and foremost, not to do a bunch of religious stuff, but to be with him. That's why he called you to be with him. Never forget that. That's why God called you to be with him. Not to light candles, to get holy water sprinkled on you or to, to, to be in ritualized prayer or whatever. To be with him. This is the Bible speaking, not Pastor Steve. So he appoints 12 to be with him and for the next Two chapters um, after that, um, things kind of continued with the way that Jesus started, meaning from the time he appoints 12 to where we are in chapter 6, Jesus continues, it's just him. It's people there watching him, but it's just him. He's declaring the word of God. He's teaching. He's doing a circuit. They actually use that word, meaning kind of like a circle going around teaching and preaching uh, the word of God. Um, And it says that um, they're learning from him. They're they're learning from Jesus during this time. Learning what? At least three things. Number one, if you're taking notes, that Jesus has indescribable, breathtaking power. Power. At the end of chapter 4, they are at night crossing the Sea of Galilee. A great windstorm is overtaking them. Waves are crashing over the boat. The boat is filled with water. Verse uh, 39 of chapter 4 says, Jesus stood up in the boat and spoke to the wind. Peace be still. And immediately, there was a calm, a great calm. They were learning that this man, this God-man, had indescribable power. They, they, they said to themselves, said they had exceeding fear in this. this is some, sometimes you learn from God, it's, it's, it's exceedingly fearful. It says, they had ex- exceedingly fearful. They said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They were learning from him. Sometimes it's really scary learning from God. What else did they learn? Number two, that he has absolute, complete authority, not only over the physical realm, but also the what? Someone shouted out. The spiritual realm. What did they do after he calmed that storm? They got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They were met on the other side by a naked man running to him, gashes all over his body, out of his mind he was possessed by 2,000 demons. Oh, my. 
And a demon from within the man cried out to Jesus, do not torment me. They, so that demon understood where the authority was. And Jesus spoke to the demons, chapter 5, verse 8, come out, unclean spirits. The unclean spirits were cast out with that word, and they went into a, a a herd of swine, of pigs, 2,000 of them. They entered the herd of swine and they ran violently into the sea and they drowned. Talk about high, intense drama. Sometimes learning from Jesus is like that. It is intense drama. They are with Jesus, learning from him. What else do they learn? Third thing, if you're talking, uh, 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 taking notes, and it's, it's something that seems to be, sometimes in my despair and discouragement, I think it's universally being ignored by the churches in the United States of America. It's his meekness and his gentleness. You look around at the body of Christ in this country, you wouldn't know that the one adjective that Jesus used to describe himself is meekness and gentleness. There's a lot of chest pounding by pastors and preachers around the United States today. They didn't learn that from Jesus. It says in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, come to me and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Really, it's just one adjective. It's meekness. Just one meekness is gentleness and lowliness of heart. It's the one, only, one and only adjective that Jesus uses to describe himself in the New Testament. And they learned this from him. The pandemic has brought out an enormous amount of pride in the church in America. Again, didn't learn that from Jesus. We saw in uh, um, Mark chapter um, 5, an example. They learned this meekness and gentleness in Mark chapter 5, where that man, that crazy man, that crazy naked man with 2,000 demons, the demons were cast out of him. It says in the nearby city, the people ran out because they knew this guy. It says that guy cried out all night. It says he cut himself and cried out all night. Intense, high drama. And they came to see what happened and there was the man clothed and in his right mind. That's what he does with you, by the way. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you give us sound minds. I need it. That's in, is that 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy? I heard first and second. Freddie said first. It must be first. So, so, so um, uh, uh, he gives us a sound. So the, they, they came out. They, they, they saw that um, he was in the sound mind. It, it says they feared and they pleaded with him to leave. What did he do? He left. He just got in his boat and he left. You know what that is? Meekness. You know what that is? Lowliness of heart. You know what that is? That's gentleness. They were learning from him. Here's a God who doesn't squash his opponents. He just says, okay. And he takes off 
and he leaves. A little side note there. I hope that strikes fear in every one of your hearts and mine. When God, rather, when you ask God to leave you alone, he will. That should strike fear in your heart. A a healthy fear. When you ask God to leave you alone, he will. He, when he gave you a free will, and yes, the Bible teaches cover to cover that he gave you a free will. He gave you a dangerous thing. He gave you the freedom to say, yes, Lord, stay with me. Come into my heart. Never leave me, Lord. Or to say, leave me alone. There's tens of millions Hundreds of thousands are doing that in this city today. But for the grace of God, go you and I. It's a terrifying reality about God, about Jesus. He's the perfect gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He's gentle. He's lowly of heart. Oh, Calvary Chapel, that we would learn that gentleness, that lowliness of heart, that the power of God would be strong in us The more we show pride in our own power and self-sufficiency, we'll see this in a bit, the less God can do any work in our lives. There's another little gem. I said earlier, there's another little gem at the end of verse 6 of of how the disciples learn gentleness and and lowliness of heart uh, from Jesus. And, And... And this is just amazing. I I hope this sticks with you. I hope it sticks with me. Notice at the in chapter six, Jesus returns to his country. So he gets back, he leaves that scene. He tells the man that he had cast out the demons. The guy was pleading with him to to stay with him. Let me go with you, please. I don't want to stay in the city where all these people just know me as this naked dude running around screaming at myself. Jesus tells them the shocking uh, response. No, go back to your home and tell, tell the people how much compassion God had on you. And so that guy leaves. Jesus leaves, goes back to the other side of the lake. And then in verse one, it says what? Read here. Read with me. Read along. It says, then he went out from there and came to his own country. That would be the city of Nazareth. He came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. What was the city of Nazareth's response to Jesus Go to verse 3 there. It says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. What was Jesus' response to their rejection of him? Verse 6 says he marveled because of their unbelief then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching Jesus is rejected in his own time he, it, rather in his own town he doesn't storm away 
Just go, I'm just send them all to hell, Lord. You know, that doesn't do that. He goes what? He does the, the meekest, most humble thing imaginable. He just goes to the little tiny villages around. I, I hope that sticks with you. I, I, I was reading this. Oh, God, I just pray that I would be like this. That, that he goes to uneducated, poor, simple, unknown to the world, men, women, and children in these little surrounding villages in Palestine. He was gentle and lowly of heart. Souls were precious to Jesus. The most obscure, seemingly unimportant soul is precious to Jesus. You say, I'm a nobody. A nobody. Doesn't matter. Your soul is precious to him. I hope this sticks with us. So many trying to be famous. Draw a crowd. Gather in a multitude. Today. And I, I know that temptation really well. But what Jesus is, wants from you is meekness and gentleness. Go to the most obscure place with the most simple people, the most forgotten people. He loves those people. What was, what was the third thing they learned? Gentleness and lowliness of heart. So the disciples are with Jesus and they learn from him. Probably about a year from the time they, he started calling Peter and, and James and, and Andrew and John, and probably about a year from that time. And then, and then, comes verse 7, a massive shift in verse 7. Verse 7 says this, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them. First time this happens. He began, first time he starts sending them out. Two by two, and gave them power over unclean Spirits, a massive shift up to this point. Jesus is at it alone. There are people with him. The apostles are with him. They're learning from him, but the preaching, the healing, the casting out of demons is just Jesus. But now, after the disciples have been with him probably about a year, verse 7 says, he begins to send them. Now, notice in verse 7, just really carefully, we like to not only go line by uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we like to go word by word. Notice how it says, he, he, he first calls them, it says, to himself. He, he, it again says, he calls them to himself. Oh, how Christianity, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Christianity is a religion, not a relationship. 
Try to understand this Calvary Chapel. Jesus never calls you to do anything apart from an intimate relationship with him. So it's part of the sending there. He's calling them to him. I love this. He can, he, 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 he leads the 12 to himself and then he begins to send them. Jesus is your home base. Remember uh, that plain tag when uh, you were little? Uh, yeah, there's a home base. I, I, I know we have a number, number of folks uh, who from countries outside of uh, the United States where they may not play baseball. Home base, it's a baseball term. It's a, it's a safe place, uh, home base. You can't be out on, on, first ba- ba- uh, on home base, of course, unless you're sliding in. But, but, but in a, he's our home base where, you know, when you were a little, you're playing tag, but there was that, always that tree or that place where you could touch and no one could tag you. It's that safe place. Jesus is your home base. He never calls you to do anything apart from a home base relationship with him. But listen, here's the deal. He does call you out. You can't just stay at home base. You can't do it. Some of you. And we come to, this, to church on Sundays to do serious business with the Lord. Some of you were called into a relationship with Jesus. You responded. You left your nets, your fishing nets, like Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You left your nets and followed him to be with him and learn from him. And you've been learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. And learning, and learning, and never going. You're comfortable on home base. Even though for years, God's been calling you and sending you. You're content to play it safe. Stop that, Calvary Chapel. Stop it. If that's you, stop it and go. You stay on home base long enough, learning, you will begin to rot. I assure you, Pretty soon you'll be walking to the dugout. Another baseball term, but I, forgive me for that, but not that you'll lose your salvation or anything like that, but, but you'll begin to rot. There'll be no fruitfulness. Jesus says in John 15, by this your father, by father is glorified that you bear much fruit much fruit that you just and and it's just amazingly simple we just stay with Jesus and we walk forward in the calling with uh, that he has us in 
Notice what else Jesus does in verse 7, middle of the verse. This is like a word-by-word verse here. It says, he sent them out two by two. By the way, it's a general principle, not a law. It's really better to do things in twos. As you get discouraged, you can be encouraged. It's just a safer place. It's not a law, but it's a good thing. Sends them out uh, two by two with the 12 here, the 12 apostles. This is only mentioned, uh, that's only mentioned in the book of Mark. I'm glad he included it. But, but it says there that he gave them power. He doesn't send you out without giving you power. He gave them power. It says here over unclean spirits. But to be sure, Jesus doesn't call you to anything without giving you the power. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I quote this in counseling all the time. Uh, it says in Peter, the Holy Spirit says, by his divine nature, he has given you all things for life and godliness. Never say he hasn't equipped you. He has. When he sends you out, he gives you power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, great verse. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice here that God empowers you, not so that you stay on home base. (laughs) Although that's a very safe place and we're tempted to do that. He empowers you so that you will go. I was in Luke chapter 1 yesterday. You don't have to turn with me there, but I'm just so encouraged. I just started it. Just started reading about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. It says that um, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And these are the things. Now, 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 part of his ministry obviously was unique. He was the herald, the person who came before Jesus and and introduced Jesus to the world. But uh, aside from that, listen, the Holy Spirit does the same thing in John the Baptist that he does in you. And I I was just so encouraged. Uh, Number one, in uh, verse 16 uh, of Luke chapter one, it says, through the Holy Spirit, he turned many to the Lord their God. That's what he wants to do with you. He wants to do that with you. You have the same person of the Holy Spirit in you. Number two, it says, he, by the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist, turned the hearts of the fathers to the children. Do you know how many children are in this church that go to this church over the years? And now they have four siblings with four or five different fathers. Calvary Chapel, that's real, and it's right in our midst. They're over there in the Sunday school and at the 9.30 and the 11.30 service. Are you going to stay on home base? Or are you going to go out and participate in turning the hearts of the fathers to their children? That's the last verse in Malachi of the Old Testament. Is that strange or what? The heart of God is on the children. And he wants, it, it, and, and the Holy Spirit does what? He calls the fathers back to, the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Last verse in the Old Testament. 
God has a heart for children who are suffering there, uh, out there in the city of Boston who do not have a father figure. We can be that father figure uh, uh, to them for, uh, for, for in a really great way, but even better yet, going out in the community that we, that we live in and turn the hearts of the father to the children. The third uh, thing that um, uh, John the Baptist, it says that he did by the spirit, he turned the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. That's what he wants to do with you. You leave home base. And number four, by the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist made people a, a people made a people prepared for the Lord. Ah, I just love that. And yes, he does it. He does it with you. He wants to use you in this way. Pray to the Lord. He will show you. I can't tell you what he's going to show you. I know your situation's different than mine, but, but, but pray that he shows you. Show me, how to, where do I go? Who do I speak to to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord their God? I can tell you almost certainly it's going to freak you out. That's why many people don't leave home base. They freak out. What God, you want me to say what to that person? These guys were freaking out. It, it, it says, uh, again, it, it says there in uh, chapter 6 of, of, of Mark, he says, they called the 12 to themselves and began to send them out. Like, what? You're, you're sending me out? I thought it was like you, Jesus. We just sat around and, and, and watched you. No, 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 no. He sends you out. God wants to use you. You need to ask him to open your eyes, and if you're like me, you will freak out. Just this, but God will give you a, a situation, though, that's unique to yours, to you. It's not going to be like my situation, but you'll freak out. I did last Saturday night. Not talking about last night. Last Saturday night. It wasn't Saturday night. It was Sunday morning. It was 1 a.m., and there was a really loud gathering of college students. I'm surrounded by college students in Mission Hill. It's where the Lord has placed us. There was a really loud gathering of college students, and we have, we're in city housing, so you know, your next door neighbor is just a few feet away from you, and <laughs> there's, a, there's a balcony, a second floor balcony. There's a bunch of guys there. They're loud. My wife is trying to, uh, to, um, to speak. <laughs> To sleep. She was trying to sleep. And the Lord was like, go tell them to be quiet and tell them about Jesus. And, and, and by the way, I, I've done this nine or ten times. I'm like, no, Lord, it's COVID time. I can't go there. Lord, this, uh, that. I'm not going to go up there. Uh, I, I'm really tired. I get to get to bed. Oh, I've done this before. Haven't I done it uh, uh, enough times? Didn't work. You can't win an argument with the Lord. It's one in the morning, which, by the way, don't feel sorry for me. It's not that late for me. It's just I'm a night person. So I go over there, and I, I go around, and I go through the backyard. I walk up the stairs, and I'm crying out to God, oh, help me, God. I get up there, and they're like, 
who are you? Who is this dude? All I know is he's three times my age, you know? Uh, and, uh, and I say, hi, you know who I am? I'm your next door neighbor. You see that really dark bedroom? That my wife is sleeping in there. And they're like, oh, sorry, we'll be quiet. Oh, we'll, we'll go indoors. They started trying to go inside the house. I said, wait, 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 wait. I have a question for each of you. And I went to each one of them, and I asked them, one by one, who is Jesus to you? Who is he? And each one of them answered. And man, these guys, most of them, they were just riveted. They were like, I don't know what's going on. I know I've had a lot of beer already, but what, 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 you know, what, what, what's, what's going on here? And, 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 and I really respected them. I tell you, I really did. They were honest. Uh, one, the first guy tried to be cool. Oh, yeah, I tried to be cool by saying Jesus was cool. Oh, it was this guy who lived 2,000 years ago. He's a cool dude. But after that, one, one, uh, a couple of the guys said, you know, I don't know. I'm uninformed. Two of them said, I believe he's the son of God. What does it say in Luke chapter 1? It says, John the Baptist, by the Spirit, would turn people back to the Lord, their God. So they finished their response, and I said, do you mind if I share with you who Jesus is to me? And I laid it all out. I laid it all out to these guys. And at the end, I said, listen, guys, you have a choice. Are you going to go through, uh, through college? I won't n name the college. <laughs> There's nearby college. Are you just going to go through four years sticking your head in the sand, pretending like God is not there? I, I, and I told them, don't do what I did. I did a lot of stupid stuff in college, and, I, and there were a lot of consequences for that. Don't do that. Don't do what I did. Investigate who God is. And then I said, so that's who I think Jesus is. Thanks for listening to me. And uh, they thanked me, and I went down the stairs. And as I was going home, I was just so overjoyed. I was freaking out before, but I was just overjoyed. Just at the, the, at the privilege of, of listening, of rather of, of, of talking to people about the Lord. And, and I could tell I had a couple of those guys. They were under conviction. And I, you know, at one in the morning, it, 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 you know, you want to, by then it was 120 or whatever, and I want to share with someone, who do, I call, who do I call, you know, at that time? So I text my son, Sam, hey, Sam, guess what I just did? And he responded the next morning when he got it. <laughs> but, 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 but listen, I'm not suggesting you barge in on your neighbor's parties. I, I, there's a kind of a unique dynamic there over where I live where I can do things like that. But, but, but I know that I know that I know that I know that the Lord wants you off a of home base and by the Spirit turning the hearts of the people of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Turning the hearts of the people around you, and it could even be a perfect stranger. And listen, it's going to freak you out. I loved what Pastor Gus said last Sunday morning. He said, you got to move the stone. I know he's telling you to move a stone. There's a guy that's been dead four days at the other side of the stone. Just, he's saying do it. Just do it. Move off of home base 
and, and move on. And so that's what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter six. Let's move on. Let's, uh, nearing the end here, let's move on and, and, and continue. It says in verse eight, he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on tunics. So what are you supposed to make of these verses? Are you supposed to do that? Just, just whatever, go out for months on end with uh, you know, no money, no change of clothes? I don't know, maybe, but highly doubtful. Listen, what you never want to do is make laws out of something that Jesus never intended to be a law. When you're reading in the New Testament, always keep this verse in mind. John chapter 1, verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Don't make New Testament sayings out of the mouth of Jesus or out of the Paul or anyone else, a law. Don't do it. This is what we try to do all the time just so we can sort of be in control. We love that, you know, just be in control. No, God's in control. And so we, we, we don't imitate uh, this uh, exactly. So, but what are the, what are, what are these verses teach us? He tells them, don't bring bread, no bag, no copper in your money belts. What is he teaching you? He's teaching you, don't rely on your education when you're going out doing whatever it is that Jesus is telling you to do. Doesn't mean don't use your education. Important distinction. Don't rely on it. If you do, the Holy Spirit's not going to flow through you. Don't rely on your personality, your charisma. Don't rely on your beauty. And I'm dead serious about that one. Don't rely on your good looks. Don't rely on your, even on your Bible knowledge. Use it, don't rely on it. Go in just recognizing you're weak. You are weak, but God can use you to the extent that you recognize it's God. I, I got to rely on God here. You are nothing without God. You will totally block or seriously hinder the Holy Spirit if you rely on anything but the Lord. Let's read verse 10 and 11. It says, and he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for, than for that city. Listen, I don't know how to put window dressing on this. I really don't. Those guys up on the second floor balcony next to my house, if they reject what I say, and by the way, usually before a person comes to God, they, they receive some kind of witness scripture from seven or eight people. They've done this study, and so it's like many times. But if they reject the Son of God, it is an incredible, serious thing. 
And I told him, God didn't just create the world, spin it on its axis, back off and leave it up to everyone's best guess to figure out who he was. He sent his son. I didn't say it like that. But he sent his son and rejecting the son of God. Hey, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Complete, absolute judgment, fire and salt, brimstone, destroy the city. Rejecting the son of God is serious. Consider that when you consider that person next to you on, uh, on the bus where something happens, where it appears that you're supposed to talk with them or your roommate or family member or, or whoever, whoever it is. It's a serious thing to um, reject the Son of God. Last verse that we're going to be in, it says, so they went out preaching that people should repent. In the... Uh, in the parallel verse in, in Luke chapter 9, it just says this. It says, so they departed throughout the towns preaching the gospel, the good news, and healing everywhere. That's what they did. Again, what was the message? That people should repent. That they should repent. Again, Jesus told them to do this. Why? Because human souls, every single one of them, are precious to him. The souls of your neighbors, the souls of your classmates, your coworkers, your family members, precious to Jesus. Your message, and I mean you, every one of you, to that person in your life, God opens up these doors. You're going to freak out. You've got to push away the stone and go for it to see the resurrection light, the power of God. The message is, you can try this on your friend, your relative, your coworkers. God created you so that he could be your greatest joy. God created you so that you could be, that, that he could be your greatest joy and you're ignoring him. Stop ignoring him. Turn to Jesus. He wants to be your greatest joy. He didn't bring you into this world for you to ignore him. Stop that. Turn to him. He bled and died for you and then he rose from the dead to prove everything that he said was true. Open up your heart to him and invite him in as Lord. It says that they went out preaching that the people should repent. That's the message of repentance. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up to, uh, to, to close us out with, with a worship song at this point. And I just want a time of prayer. And we could just begin a time of prayer. Eddie, if you could just start an instrumental before we start. And, and again, I want to just continue to do this on, on, on Sunday mornings. If something stirred in your heart during the message, and you would like prayer for that subject, I just want you to stand up, and I'm going to pray with you before we close. I just want to pray for you. If... The Lord, if you've been learning and learning and learning and learning and learning, and you know you've just been in this learning cycle, and you want to get off of the learning cycle into the going cycle, and you want to push the stone away, stand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. 
I'm going to pray for you before we do this closing song. And if you're seated, if you're, if you're seating, if you're sitting rather, I want you to agree with me as we pray. Learning, 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 but never going. Ah, yes, we have that. We have that in our hearts. And guess what? We don't just, you know, put in our boat, in our bootstraps, in our own strength, go out and start trying to go on our own. No, it says Jesus called him to himself first. Remember that. Thank you for standing. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus. If you're sitting, please agree with me in this prayer. I just pray in the name of Jesus for every person standing, Lord. Oh, how we need your grace, Lord. We are chickens in our flesh. We are cowards, Lord. But oh, the joy of seeing the resurrection life, Lord, when we agree to get off home base. I just pray, Father, that you'd give these people standing. And Lord, we're all agreeing with each other, those who are sitting and, 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 the, and, and me up here and the worship team. We just agree, Lord, that we're powerless without you. We're powerless, Lord. We're foolish without you. Lord, if, if we take our bag, our bread, our, our copper coin, our sand, whatever it is, relying on our intellect, our wit, our background, our experience, we're, we're I don't know, we're well-read or, you know, we know stuff. We know a lot about the Bible, Lord, but we just declare, and I declare for everyone standing, that they might use their knowledge in the Bible, but not rely upon that apart from you. Give them a sense of dependence and reliance on you, Lord. We ask for this and give them the vision, give them the specificity of what it looks, getting off of home base, moving from learning to doing. I pray that for myself, Lord, as well, in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone could stand now for the closing uh, worship song. Let's close the service. Worship.